0: Welcome to today's episode of Encyclopedia, the podcast that helps law students to bridge the gap between the study and practice of law. My name is Arianne. In this episode, we'll be having a chat with Verity White, founder and chief contract enthusiast at Checklist Legal. Verity is an experienced commercial lawyer with a passion for simplifying legal information and expertise in redesigning contracts for automation, readability, and usability. Her work simplifying contracts has saved thousands of headaches for businesses and lawyers and one of her B2B contract design projects was a finalist in the legal category of the 2019 Clear Communication Awards. Verity led Checklist Legal to be the first Australian law firm to receive the right plain language certification and the first law firm to present at Melbourne Design Week. Verity is also an honorary senior fellow at the University of Melbourne where she is teaching contract design for automation. We'll be asking Verity a range of questions about contract law and about her personal experiences working in industry. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Encyclopedia podcast. My name is Arian and I will be your host today. Joining us today is Verity White from Checklist Legal Pty Ltd.
1: Verity, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me along. It's lovely to be here. Uh, So yes, well, my name is Verity White and I uh, have a very teeny tiny boutique law firm called Checklist Legal, where I get to work on uh, lots of fun contract design work and commercial work. Uh, for businesses of all different shapes and sizes uh, and yeah I've uh, you know started out in working in-house as a corporate counsel and kind of started up the law firm as a side hobby and now it's uh, kind of changing into more of a full-time hobby which is uh, really exciting and yeah loving loving the work that I get to do through check the people it's great.
0: That's awesome, Verity. Thank you for introducing yourself. Um, before we start diving into the interview, can you tell us how you describe contract law to someone who doesn't know anything about it?
1: So when I talk about to a lot of my um, female founder business owner clients and talk about contracts, people often get confused by what they all mean. Why do I need to have a contract? But often it's, I describe it as, a guide to the relationship with another person or business. And it's just a way of writing down the expectations and obligations that that you have and and getting what you think in your head on paper or on digital paper uh, so that it's clear to everyone involved. So that's how I think about contracts, a bit of a map for relationships.
0: That's awesome. I think that is a very... um a very good way to describe it to someone who doesn't necessarily work in the law and might find contracts a bit more intimidating. Mm. Um, And when you were starting out as a student studying law, was contract law the area that you really wanted to practice in or how did you end up in working directly in contracts?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, from doing an internship when I was still studying, I was doing an in-house internship at a telecommunications company and they liked me and offered me a paralegal role. I was like, what, a paid paid legal role? Yes, please, that would be great. I don't have to work at a bar anymore, excellent. Uh, So I started doing that work and and as lots of people who've done work experience or if you've worked in-house, there's a lot of contract work involved when you're in-house, there's lots of contracts when you're buying stuff, there's contracts when you're selling stuff, there's contracts with employees, there's contracts, you know, left, right and centre. So that is how I started to see a lot of contracts and uh, being quite junior, when I started, I was responsible for a lot of the contract admin. So things like making sure that, you know, directors signed in the right places. This is back when you sign things in person and you have to go through and tab them up with the little sticky sign here, Mark. And oh my goodness, if you would miss a page, there'd be like contracts with lots of pages in it and you've missed a page, you have to go back and get it signed again. Uh, So I was really sick of doing all of that contract admin work and it felt like just so boring, you know, just basically taking details from one place and plugging them into another repetitively again and again and again and so that's when I started getting interested in electronic signatures and automated workflows and as I started to do to automate the contracts I also started to redesign them so that they would work better in a digital world and I wouldn't have to scroll through lots of different pages to change things and so that is what got me started down the track that I'm on now which is contract design contract automation and uh, that whole user experience of contracts. So it kind of started out from being lazy and not wanting to do, (laughs) not wanting to scan in documents. And and now it's, uh, yeah, what I, my passion.
0: I love that story. I think um, that's a famous quote. I don't know the exact words, but it goes something like, if you hire a lazy person, they'll find the most effective way to do it. That's right. Um, Yeah. And so, I have a question. Um, You say that you've started working on contracts online and doing the legal design there. Can you tell me a bit how that's been beneficial or maybe um, has been changing in the realm of COVID and how everything has to be signed online now?
1: Yeah, so there's been a few different changes to some of the legislation on the formalities of how contracts can be signed Um, Under the Corporations Act and formal witnessing of documents. It's always been a bit contentious. Um, I've kind of always just argued that you should steer away from some of those formalities when you can. So you don't need to worry about whether or not you've met the formalities, just sign it under different, um, as a different approach. So uh, for COVID, I think there's definitely been a bigger focus on uh, digital, lots of businesses moving to a digital. So, for example, uh, you know, people who used to previously just work as uh, contractors to gyms are starting to run their own fitness businesses and and using online processes for that. So how do they, where they would normally be a personal trainer and they would just put a bit of paper in front of their clients and get them to sign a waiver and do all that, doing all that online um, has been, you know, it's a different, it's a similar approach, but different that, that you need to take into account. So those have been some of the impacts, I think, from a contract point of view. For me personally, it's been a lot of uh, conferences attended and presented from home, which has been a bit, you know, it's been it's been fun in some ways because getting to go to conferences that were previously overseas and you would never actually get to go to them, um, but then being able to access a lot of those world-class global events. From home, is kind of cool, kind of fun. That's really interesting. Are you allowed to tell us anything about those conferences? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I think I took a selfie when um, with my laptop when Richard <laughs> Susskind was presenting at one in 2020. I was like, look at me. We, you know, uh, so, so those are quite interesting to be able to get access to uh, presenters, and you know, I think that the um, Center for Legal Innovation. Did a conference in partnership with the Association for No, the Australian Legal Practice Management Association, the ALPMA, and that was like this amazing event that they opened up. I think it was it was everything was free, and you could go along to all of these cool, cool, really interesting <laughs> sessions. Uh, so I think that there's lots of this. Yeah, there's so many options for webinars <laughs> these days. That you can attend. Um, A lot of them are free. They they might be trying to sell you something, but but a lot of them are free and have really good insights. So uh, so definitely check out those if you're interested.
0: Yes, I definitely have seen a lot coming up recently, especially run by the law firms trying to introduce people to their firm and talk about everything that they're doing. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your day to day life as a contract lawyer?
1: Day-to-day life, yes. Always trying to tweak the productivity to try and make it, trying to batch things together. I don't know if I've ever got the perfect routine, but I do try to group, uh, because I have two client groups, kind of corporate um, legal clients, but then also small business clients. I try to group them together because it is a bit of a different mindset that you need to bring, and it's quite useful if you're, Batching them together so you're in the right mindset. You don't have to switch around. So I do client calls. Uh, I try to do some focus work of creating contracts and drafting in the morning when I'm fresh, so that that way I can really focus and get things done. I just think it's um, a bit more productive. And then I might break that up in the afternoon um, and have a few uh, you know client calls with new clients. I do have some clients in New Zealand so they're two hours ahead which is handy for Australia because you can start your day earlier. Uh, So I I have some some client calls in the morning, bit of focus work, some client calls in the afternoon and then I try to do a bit more business management uh, creative work that I need to do on the business in the evenings or the afternoons so that that way it's it might be um, looking over graphics or something that I wanna add into a new campaign or a new approach or um, fiddling with a PowerPoint presentation pack that i need to do to deliver or uh, yeah. So I try, that's how I try to generally structure my day, but it's uh, a lot of, a lot of reading and a lot of writing really, a lot of drafting. And I
0: understand that you're still working as legal counsel for Telstra as well as as an honorary senior fellow at the University of Melbourne.
1: How, yes. how do you balance all of that? Yeah, so I try and structure, you know, when if I'm working at Telstra, I try and structure my day in the same way. You don't have as much control necessarily if there's certain meetings you have to go to, but I do try and get that focus work done in the mornings. Um, you know, getting your exercise done in the morning is always, I think, really important it's that way. done for the day. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, and the teaching side of things, it has been lots of fun. Uh, and I've now got a whole bunch of assignments, assessments that I need to mark. So that'll be that's something to look forward to. But that's been really, I think, motivating. It was a bit... Um, Tricky to know where to start when I was setting it up, but once you get set up and you're teaching it and you've got the students there and engaged, it's been really great uh, seeing them in, uh, get their hands into contract design and automation and and uh, have fun with it there. So I don't. So in terms of balancing, I think um, having a good structure is really important so that you know you know this is this is my day for doing this work. This is my day for doing this work and. Um, yeah, so that's how I try and stay balanced. I think COVID lack of commuting, because I just stay in the same room for many hours of the day is helpful uh, in some in some instances, but I do miss my bike rides into the office. Uh, so yeah, just trying to balance it, I think, by being healthy, <laughs> healthy, getting the exercise in, and yeah, just being clear on what you're getting done every day.
0: Um- you said you're teaching at Melbourne. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're teaching? Because it sounds like you're teaching sure. um, with contracts. Is that contracts generally or is that a specific elective that you're teaching?
1: Yeah, so it's really fun, it's a fun subject. It's a master's level uh, innovation unit. There's a, It's a half kind of unit. So it's called contract design for automation and in that, subject. We take uh, take the students through some of the reasons why contracts traditionally are a bit crap and we look at different ways that, you know, some of the problems that they cause in slowing down business and we look at different ways to streamline them, make them um, easier to read, easier to use, but also with a lens on automating them. So, it's not just to make them look pretty so you can hang them on the wall. The idea is that they're usable, that people in the business can understand them, that you can set them up for automation within many different platform types. So, it's tech agnostic. Uh, It's pretty, lots of practical examples. We did a fun, uh, well, I thought it was fun. (laughs) We did a fun uh, task where we do what's called icon storming. So, A key thing, you know, a key trend in contracts at the moment is including more visuals and icons are a really easy way to use that. You'll see it in websites all the time, lots of icons for things and putting them in contracts is really useful. So we did, um, everyone gets a post-it and I called out a word and everyone has to just have a minute to try and write, uh, draw out what, what an icon for that legal term might be. So that was quite fun, and uh, yeah, so we do lots of practical things to just kind of get get the students thinking about the law in a different way and contracts in a different way.
0: That is super interesting. I wish I still had like this space to take such a unit. <laughs> I think definitely would recommend it for the Melbourne JD students. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like a really it. you
1: yeah. it's like... it again next year. Get on to it. <laughs> and.
0: Um, Of all your roles um, that you currently hold, what would you say is the most fulfilling part of your job?
1: I do love uh, with checklist legal, you get to work with, when you you start your own business, you get to work pretty much with the clients that you want. So if you put your brand or your firm and set it up in a certain way, you'll attract a certain certain people that also want, want that thing. So, uh, so that's been really exciting. To kind of, I wasn't sure whether or not people would be interested in getting contracts redesigned, uh, but they are. So it's been it's been great to work with like minded businesses and legal teams and uh, be able to explore this interesting new area of the law with with them. So I think that's probably been the most exciting. Just seeing how uh, clients are embracing a different approach that's not necessarily a traditional legal approach to, but, but still actually giving them some really strong legal benefits uh, from a different approach.
0: Do you, say, do you think just from a commercial perspective, is that really beneficial in terms of sending clients contracts that are more attractive? Does that make it less intimidating?
1: Oh, definitely. There's so there's a lot of research that goes into this. Um, if you're interested, you can just basically search either um, pr- processing fluency, which is a huge benefit. If you can make your co- make contracts easy to read, they're easier to trust. People will trust you more. Um, the signing turnaround time. So for large businesses, often if they've got a contract and their client, clients might take it and look at it and, oh, I don't know, I've got to send this to the legal department. I'm going to think about it. I've got to hire a lawyer to look at it. And it might take, you know, two weeks or whatever until they look it over and and send back questions. But if you can shorten that time down, whether it's on the buy side or the sell side, if you think of sell side, you can get revenue in the door two weeks earlier um, so that that can compound over time even two weeks more interest, you know, On on, even though there's not much interest getting around in the banks at the moment. But just getting that revenue in the door, you know, striking while the iron is hot, so to speak, with your clients, I think, has huge benefits. Uh, But also from an internal perspective, especially in-house legal teams are looking more and more to simplify contracts because they know that it's the internal teams that read the contracts and then try to run the business based on what's in the contracts so by simplifying your contractual documents with your clients you're actually making it easier for your own team to run the business because they don't have to you know like figure out some hieroglyphics in order to do their job they can just read it and understand it they can tell the customers themselves this is what this contract means so no we're not going to refund you or yes you are entitled to a refund and I can tell that because of the contract's really clear. Um, So I think there's so many benefits. There's a lot of research that's kind of going into it at the moment, but um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty clear that lots of big organizations are getting on board with this.
0: I've completely forgotten my question. (laughs) Um, Oh, sorry about that. I was gonna ask, does that mean that with uh, simplifying the contracts, is that also a terminology um, aspect of that?
1: Uh, Contract simplification is kind of um, contract design is one of the other buzzwords that's kind of getting around at the moment. Uh, So it doesn't really, you know, plain language. It doesn't really matter what you call it. But, um, yeah, contract simplification is definitely a growing trend for sure. I think that that's probably a
0: better direction. It means that, as you said, it just means people are able to trust contracts more and it's faster to understand. And do you think that... um, in the coming years it will become the norm
1: definitely it's becoming uh i i do think that the time for legalese is is done and i know there's a lot of lawyers and businesses that are kind of digging their heels in a little bit and um but i think it will i think it I think lawyers might look back at some of the ways that we used to provide legal advice and contracts that are just incomprehensible except for the lawyers that drafted them. And even then, maybe they only could remember what it meant at the time. And then, you know, a year later, they'd have to sit down and check their notes and, you know, kind of try and figure out what they were actually getting at. So uh, so I do think that contract simplification is not going anywhere just the same way as you know all user experience you know from phones to you know just any kind of service that we get these days everyone is expecting it to be simple and easy and customer focused so that's what the law should be
0: thank you for that i think that's a very um good insight into the way that contract law and just generally the industry is moving and what has been the highlight of your career? Like a really exciting project or just a really memorial case that you've worked on?
1: Um, sure. So I think uh, starting the law firm, Check the Thing, was pretty exciting and mildly terrifying at the same time. And so that's been a real highlight for me. Um, I think doing some big juicy contract redesign projects that have you know been recognized by international uh international organizations that do contract design assessments so i've had one recently with the world commerce and contracting better design mark uh, and another one previously with the clear communication awards and then my law firm engagement documents was one of the first law firms and one of and the first in Australia to get the right mark plain language certification so just kind of some little bits and pieces that are really important I think to show that I don't just talk about making things simple actually action it as well because it's very easy to kind of just say yeah we should definitely simplify things but then fall back on bad habits and I'm always trying to improve and 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 um, simplify my contracts going forward But those have been some of the key highlights for me. But um, lots to come, I think. Lots of good highlights to come. That sounds so
0: exciting. Um, Can you give us a bit of insight? What gave you the bravery to kind of take the leap and start your own law firm?
1: Well, it was mainly because I could see that there was a lot of interest on, in the area that I was working in, this, this idea of simplification and user experience. And I knew that if I wanted to access law in that way, that surely others did too. And so I, I think I just thought, well, if I people want to pay me to do this, <laughs> they were kind of asking me, you know, can you do this, can you do this? I was like, well, I could do it and do it as a consulting like it didn't have to be a law firm Uh, but I thought well I might as well do both and then um, just see where it goes so in terms of the process I got it all cleared through you know um, conflicts of interest and I don't work on things that conflict with my other work um, obviously but yeah you've got to go through and do the legal practice management course you've got to change your practicing certificate there's quite a few administrative things to do which I started doing you know back in 2019 and uh so it's a bit of a road to do it so it kind of you know you have the idea and then you kind of go along the road and then you're like oh I've started a law firm so it was um so I I don't know that it was like one moment of bravery or, or big you know flashing light that kind of happened, but it was just a, it just seemed a natural progression from all of the work that I was doing and presenting on these topics and just wanting to uh, do more in that space that I wasn't necessarily getting the access to be able to do in my day-to-day role. So that was kind of what led me and pushed me towards doing it. That is, uh,
0: I love that. Um, I think it's, it's really nice to hear people um, kind of moving towards where they want to be and um hearing the steps too i think especially for the law student who will be listening where a lot of them will be at the beginning of their degrees it's really nice to hear kind of the steps that someone takes to kind of land on your own you only
1: have to be practicing for two years and then you can start your own law <laughs> if you want to you have to do the practice management course now it's kind of mandatory which gives you a bit of It gives you a nice network, but it also gives you um, some of those basics on running a business and running a law firm specifically. But yeah, I was, when I did the legal practice management course, there was at least one person in there who was at the two year law, you know, two years practicing mark and was starting their own law firm. I think they were, you know, they were going to pass the two years after they'd finished the course. So they were like right on there
0: that's super interesting i think it, it really breaks that mentality that you have that you have to be like a senior partner or somebody to start yeah, you have to be an firm. old
1: white dude to start <laughs> a law firm you don't you definitely do not have to be it's
0: really interesting thank you for that insight um and what kind of skills would you recommend that someone would need to have whether that be working just generally with clients or whether that be wanting to um Start their own firms.
1: Yeah. So with um, I and mean, obviously, there's contract law is quite broad because you could be, you could work on the sell side where you're helping people to set themselves up to sell their goods and services. You could work on the buy side where you're doing contracts where you're buying stuff. You could be doing um, you know, construction. You could be doing you know, gyms. You could be doing all different areas. So uh, it different skills might depend on the, on the industry that you're in, but for in a general commercial sense of contracts, I think being able to uh, talk talk to talk clients through things and explain the language, explain the risks. And, you know, it's a bit of detective work on uh, just digging those questions a little bit deeper and understanding, uh, you know, what the the risks might be for that particular industry, for that particular um, service or product type so that you can have a bit of a checklist of questions when you um, are doing your client interviews and client discussions because you want to uh, make sure you're covering off the issues but also giving the client time to... uh, to explain their business needs because it's not just, well, this is the law and there you go, there's a contract. It's about, well, the way that I practice anyway is about talking to the client and understanding what it is that they want to achieve within their business. What do they want to do right now, but also in, you know, the next six to 12 months so that that way the contract can kind of flex with them a little bit. Uh, So yeah, thinking about, I also like to, Build, I've built an understanding on how online businesses work so that you're not just going here's a bit of you know paper or here's a Microsoft Word contract and go and have fun with your business but actually understanding that the client might be running an online you know click to agree type contract or are they actually sending out a proposal and getting a signature via docuSign how are they and, and that can have subtle differences on the way you might set up the contract things like payment terms, and you, know, you have to understand, are you going to be paying up front or are you going to be paying, you know, in arrears or how, how is that going to work? Because that can affect the, the terms that you use in the contract. So um, it's just a bit of detective work, but also just uh, industry understanding of how business works. For me, for, for um, contracts, you know, commercial contracts.
0: And what you said, that that's a little bit more different if you were working in a different... Feel of
1: contracts. Yeah, I think so. If you're working in uh, doing a lot of government contracts or you know construction contracts, where the risks might be a bit different, or you might have standard form contracts where you there's set negotiating positions and set set approaches, so it it could be different depending on the industry. Um, But I think you start to build up some key risk areas and understanding the risk appetite for the business what's the regulatory environment that they're in you know financial services clients will have really different uh regulatory environment and needs than a telecommunications which also is highly regulated but differently so so um some things are yes you can just write out your contract but some things are well the law that you operate in in your industry you know you've got to tick these boxes you might have to have health and safety requirements you might have So kind of understanding the industry helps you to build in the contract terms that you need for your client and also how they run their business. If they are buying something from um, another supplier that they're using to supply the services, you might need to think about pass-through terms. So it's kind of understanding that map of relationships, like at the front and at the back end, and, and kind of building that picture around it for the client. So it's detective work.
0: It sounds really interesting I see why a lot of commercial firms really want you to have that commerciality skill before coming to work for them Mm -hmm. Um, and would you say that there's any technical skills Um, do they need to have like a really high proficiency in say Microsoft Word or any coding skills?
1: Uh, I think Microsoft Word definitely helps if you can use uh, touch typing. I'm trying desperately to get better at typing, but I'm, I'm kind of deciding whether or not I'll give up on typing and just do voice dictation. I don't know that the technology is there yet. I would love to type faster. Um, so anyway, that's something that I might look into in the future. <laughs> but uh, technical skills in terms of uh, coding, uh, I don't know how to code, but I can build things in no code. <laughs> no-code platforms and, and use automated technology. So I think just having a general understanding about the different types of um, ways that contracts can be formed in an online world, so things like click, clicking to agree and what, what the requirements are around online contracts um, yeah, electronic signature platforms and how they work because more and more we're seeing that the contract isn't just a bit of paper it's kind of what was the email messages and bits and pieces that led up to what were the screens that you know you saw what was what was it what was on the screen when you clicked this thing and that's forming part of the the, the full contract with the client so understanding business models and 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 the, business. But yeah, technical skills, Microsoft Word is good. Google Docs is good. Um, but there's so many apps and plugins for that now. You can probably you can probably um, ease off a little bit. You can use different things to check for cross-referencing and things now. Thank but...
0: okay. you. And I know we talked about it a little bit before in how you balance your three different jobs at the moment. But can you give us a bit of insight into how you balance that on top with more of a work-life
1: balance as well? Uh, well, it helps to, yeah, get your exercise and that, the fun kind of stuff out of the way early, I think. I go for a walk with my pooch every morning, which is really nice, um, getting out and about where we can in these lockdown times. So uh, that I think is really important. I don't know actually that I'm that great at balancing because I get um, I feel like every most waking moments these days are filled with ideas for uh, different opportunities or ideas for clients and um, trying to put all them together. So I don't know that I'm great at balancing it. I would probably say um, yes, having set time set booking in to do things is good so one of the things that I do with um some of my friends is we just have a recurring invite to have dinner like once a month because it's in my calendar it happens otherwise it kind of does not happen so I think so for me that that's one of the ways that I I mean I shouldn't force myself it sounds bad I'm not forcing myself to have dinner with my friends because I want to but otherwise just kind of you forget and then you get busy and then we're right. So that's probably my tip: is to book it in. You know, you get your recurring calendar invites together and book it in. I really like that.
0: Um, I did it with my friends now, actually, because a lot of them are starting full-time work or they're on med placements. Um, (laughs) If we don't book it in a month in advance, we just we won't see each other. Um, Yeah, yeah, it doesn't happen. So, (laughs) gonna book it in. I really like that. I think. um, And scheduling just generally, I think um, that's always my advice when my friends ask me, and I think every single person that we've interviewed as well has said scheduling is such a big thing. Um, Mm. What would be your top tips for law students if they wanted to practise in contract law?
1: They were interested in contract law. I think, yeah, as we've touched on, getting experience in business is really crucial. So whether that's... um, you know, in a family business or whether that's in a law society or, a you know, a legal innovation committee. Uh, there's lots of different options, I think, where you can start to get a sense of the different kind of contracts that, that work around business. Uh, and I think understanding, um, you know, fiddling around with some of the platforms like, DocuSign or, uh, you know, Google Docs with plugins, you know, you can do plugins with Google Forms and Google Docs and build your own document assembly, you know, tools. So you can start to think about the problems that that you see, you know, we all sign contracts all the time. So if you're interested in it, you can start to examine some of those and be like, hmm, I mean, I wouldn't advise you go to the lengths that I do, which is like I say... (laughs) Copies of like the, for the terms and conditions that you, most people probably just click them and ignore, but I like save them and have a look. I'm like, hmm, I wonder why they did that. So you can start to just get a bit curious about the different contracts that you interact with in your day to day life. You know, as a student, you interact with lots of contracts with the university or with um, you know, your part time job or your full time job. You know, there's lots of contracts that you can start to look at. Uh, and it might feel annoying to read them, but um, you can start to read them and, you know, just kind of query like I'm, and comparing them. I wonder why they do that, but they didn't do this. And you can, yeah, start to see those and ask those questions. There's so many resources around on contracts. So if there's anything that you're curious about, you can always do a good old Google search and you can find lots of really interesting insights into different approaches on contracts.
0: Is there any specific information about contract law that you wish you knew before you started working in it?
1: I think... the <laughs> One of the things that really surprised me when I first started working in house was just how long contracts were. I didn't even really think about it because <laughs> in when you're when you studying, you get like a clause to read and a couple of definitions. But contracts are bloody long. Like they can be so long and exhausting and it's it's just ridiculous because no one could ever like, not that they're intended to be sat down and read like a book, But um, I do think that they are quite long. So get used to that. So perhaps speed reading is a skill that contract lawyers should have. Uh, You'll definitely um, develop a bit of a a sense of it. After a while, you you kind of start to know that, you know, definitions are either at the front or at the back. You start to kind of get get your head around where things are in a contract. So uh, the thing that I wish I knew... Um, yeah, I just wish when I was studying contract law that it was a lot more practical because it wasn't that practical when I was in it. I couldn't quite seem to understand it when I was studying it. It just seemed a bit, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just didn't really enjoy it when I was studying it. now yeah, that's all I do. So uh, so I wish I knew, I had known how um, exciting contracts can be because I think they can be pretty exciting
0: yeah I think during university a lot of our contract studies focus around the formation and actual dispute of contracts rather than like actually how they're written um yes
1: yeah.
0: yeah so and then that can often be a little bit more tedious and actually say writing and The
1: strategy contract. of negotiating contracts and how do you mark up a contract in the right way so that you're most likely to convince the other side to agree with you? And how do you create an issues table when you're negotiating contracts? So there's lots of those practical contract negotiation skills uh, where we ended up seeing just like how it when is a contract formed and th- there's a there's a fight as opposed to how did they get in this place to start with? And and um, yeah, so. Yeah, contracts can be awesome. I wish I had known that.
0: Thank you so much for that. Um, just to wrap up, we just have a couple of questions for students generally. Um, mm-hmm. We've already talked about the university unit that you're teaching at Melbourne Uni. Um, and then just to reiterate it for the students, can you remind us of what, what it's
1: called? Uh, the Contract Design for Automation? Yes, the Contract Design for Automation through University of Melbourne it's a innovation subject uh, it's a master's level but JD students can also do it it's just wrapped up or wrapping up we've wrapped up the teaching section uh, but it might be open again next year I'm not sure We have to rally <laughs> rally for it
0: uh, hopefully that is available for students if they are interested in it um, otherwise are there any university units that you would recommend students to um take
1: I think a most, if there is a legal design option at your uni, I think that is a great option to take. Anything, any kind of secondment or internship in-house, I think I would highly recommend you take. If you know anyone who works at a large company that is likely to have an in-house legal team, asking them for practical uh, experience days can be really valuable if you're interested in, you know, getting getting across some of the commercial issues um, and getting practical experience as well. Because in-house legal teams often have structured programs, but they might also just be able to find you a spot too if um, you're keen. And, I mean, contract law is obviously a big one to take. um, Yeah, contract law, I mean, for... (laughs) you can't really go past contract law if you're interested in contracts right if you want to do contracts so yeah contract. law.
0: Thank you and um, do you have any recommendations of extracurricular activities that students should participate in?
1: I think going along to any legal hacking event or any of the so ALTA the Association for Legal Technology Australia Australia whatever that one is ALTA uh, they have some really great events that are looking at legal technology, uh, which often touch on contracts because a lot of it is about kind of creating contracts with different um, types of clients. And the Center for Legal Innovation is another one that, through the College of Law, so they do like a Techie Tuesday, which is different legal apps and things. A lot of that is contract based, but they have lots of really good resources around design thinking. I think you can say me presenting on one of their things, one contract design and readability. Um, yeah, that's probably a good one. And final question. Um,
0: what would you say to students who are trying to stand out on their final year applications? Um, what would be some tips that you would tell, tell them to do?
1: It is. I know how exhausting and stressful it is. Uh, not that I've done it personally, but I've had some um, students that I've mentored going through that process, and I know it can be so overwhelming. Uh, and I would just also say it's not the end of the world if you're applying if you're applying for different bits and pieces, and you don't get you get interviews and you don't get a job. It's not the end of the world. So don't beat yourself up so but if you are wanting to stand out I think it is about picking your law firm and understanding them so you I think you're going along to the different events and uh, trying not to just blanket your approach but yeah trying to be targeted on the law firms that are interested in the areas that you are but also knowing that you'll probably change your mind and you might have different experiences with different law firms so Ways to stand out, I think, um, if you are making connections online, if there's an area that you're interested in, then posting about that on LinkedIn is great. Getting your kind of name out there and building out your, even just some areas that you're interested in, you don't have to know all the answers or be the person that's the expert, but being able to talk or um, explore ideas in a public space is a great way to reach out and make connections with different authors. So hopefully you're all already all over that if you're in the last year. But that's something that's been really useful for me to make good networks and good connections. Thank you for all your advice today.
0: That's been really helpful. And I think that um, everyone really benefit from all the insight that you've given into contract law and starting your own firm. So thank you so much for taking the time to interview with us today.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: If you enjoyed this interview and would like to learn more about other areas of the law, visit our website at encyclopedia.org. That's E-N-C-Y-C-L-A-W-P-E-D-I-A.org. Also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram to stay up to date with our latest interviews and release dates. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.